You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. All the girls are complicated. Everyone is precious too, and you might get lucky if you do. Oh, you might get lucky if you do. Find the one that makes you laugh. Find the one that takes your breath where you won't get everything that you want. Oh, but you'll need one to don't Hello, and welcome to episode 183 of the Christian Feminist Podcast. I'm Sarah Kluster. Today, we are discussing the worldwide phenomenon which unites parents, grandparents, and children, the Australian children's series, Bluey. Bluey is an animated series about a family of Australian healers who live in Brisbane. Bluey is a six-year-old girl who lives with her younger sister, Bingo, her mother, Chili, and father, Bandit. Bluey's world is filled with other families and friends whose breeds range from poodles, kelpies, dachshunds, and Afghan hounds. The show is well known for its depiction of realistic but imaginative play and very engaged parenting. We'll be discussing several episodes today, which can be viewed either on Disney Plus, Disney Junior, or the Bluey YouTube channel. Bluey is on almost constantly at my home, and I think it's probably very popular in the homes of my co-hosts. Please introduce yourselves. Katie, why don't you go first? Hey, I'm Katie Grubbs. I live in Leeds, Alabama with my husband David Grubbs of the Christian Humanist Podcast and our four children. Um, I spend most of my time at home with them, parenting them, taking them to school and doing all things like Bluey's parents do. Um, But then I also am a part-time college professor. I'm an adjunct professor for Houston Christian University. So I teach English online and have since 2017 for them. And, uh, And that's another part of my life that I enjoy. And I'm also a Bible study, women's Bible study teacher at my church. Awesome. Jessica? Hey, so I'm Jessica Harden, and I live uh, in Rock Hill, South Carolina with my husband, John Harden, and our two boys who are ages six and nine. And I spend most of my time hanging out with those little guys and helping them get to school and back and forth and all those wonderful things. Um, But my background is actually in emerging infectious diseases. I've got a master's from Georgetown University, um, and I'm also an artist. So those are the things that keep me busy during the day, but there's a lot of bluey on in our house as well. Well, wonderful. And dear listeners, when I say that there's a lot of bluey on my house, we can go, we can go through like a series in like a day and a half, like kind of always on. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, uh, dear listeners, we don't care for your mom judgment. <laughs> so, um, we got a lot of TV at my house and you know what? That's just how we do it sometimes. Hey, Sarah, so, say real fast. See how old your kids are. So just so my listeners kiddos, get an, Cause I, I just realized you and I didn't say, but I think we should say that that way we, listeners can get an idea for how the broad, the appeal of this show is. So my children, I have a, Oh God, she's going to be two in four days. Aww. It's going to be two in four days. Um, and then I also have a seven-month-old oh, who wow. is just starting to kind of sit up, pay attention, and watch TV as opposed to just, like, looking at the fan. That is so cute. Um, is I cute. didn't I didn't say before. Mine are uh, 10, 8, 7, and almost 5, though um, 
they all love Bluey. <laughs> so exactly yeah. the same. Um, even my oldest is super into Bluey. So uh, I just I just thought that would be a good idea so that listeners can get an idea that we we run the gamut right from like birth to you know yes. basically a yeah. tween between the three of us um and so it's you know it's not just parents and little small kids who like bluey big kids yeah. do too and I, and i think parents of bigger kids we appreciate how good bluey is because we've watched all the other shows and seen just all sorts of different shades of horribleness well that that is the truth 100 <laughs> percent. so i think i so i can say at least in my house we started watching bluey pretty early on when my daughter, you know, when we kind of wanted to be able to sit with my daughter when she was young and have something to watch that, you know, because when the kids are really little, when they're just tiny babies, you know, you can take them to the movie theater and they're going to sleep through Jurassic Park, but eventually they need, they're going to need something else on, or you can't just have on your normal adult TV, like, um, that might have cursing or something like that in it. Cause you don't want them hearing that. And so we were looking around and honestly, everybody that I followed on Twitter was going nuts over like, oh, my God, the new season of Bluey dropped. And so I was like, OK. And so we tried. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I was so excited. because I was like, oh, my God, children's TV is amazing these days. And then we found out, no, it really, it's, it's just Bluey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are other good shows that are out there. Um, sometimes uh, we will watch Stillwater, which is a show on Apple Plus. Uh, because that's just a little more quiet and not quite as excitable. But yeah, Bluey is in a in its own little is a, it's in its own little S tier. Sarah, just really quick, one other if you for a quiet show, there's one called Puffin Rock on Netflix that is like very sweet, quiet stories about a puffin family that lives on a little island and everyone has a Scottish accent. And it looks like a watercolor painting. Ooh, <laughs> and you should check it out. It's a great one if they're tired or if you don't want to get them hyped. Because that's the only problem with Bluey is my kids yeah, get Yeah, Bluey is. We get, we get very uh, excited. Yeah, you should check out Puff and Rock. It's very okay. sweet. And not annoying at all. That's um, saying a lot. Very sweet and not annoying. For kids shows, that's huge. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm a sucker for anything with accents. Which is another reason I think people like Bluey. Yeah. Um, we started watching it, I guess maybe a year or so ago. And I don't remember, I don't know that we'd heard the hype. We were just scrolling through and I was like, huh, this looks, this looks interesting. And so we started watching it, but we, we, we've kept watching it in part because my husband and I love, we, we always love the stories. We think it's hilarious. And like every fourth episode makes us like ugly cry. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it's like poignant for us. My kids just think it's incredibly funny. Like that they laugh harder watching Bluey than pretty much any other show and I think part of it is just the sheer silliness like you know and because the parents play in such a silly way like they're you know regular parents don't tend to do like dance mode or you know and we've had a conversation going in our house for a while about with our older kids if we think that in the world of Bluey if magic is really real or if their parents are just amazing method actors we can't we're not sure essentially if not they are just like the most amazing improv group Right. I mean, and the the commitment, the commitment to never, I mean, like the one where if they hit the xylophone or if something happens, they turn into like a different animal, like, or, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. Yes. That's what, that's the one. Yeah. The the magic asparagus, but um, they just, the kids just love it. And I, like I said, David and I both have really enjoyed watching it with our kids. I mean, there are other shows we'll watch with our kids and not want to, 
terror on ears off. But like, <laughs> that's the one that we're the most excited to spend time yeah. together watching. Um, and we actually ended up getting rid of Disney Plus because we just felt like we had too much streaming stuff. And that was one of the few things we were watching at Disney Plus. So when we got rid of Disney Plus, we ended up purchasing some of the Bluey episodes through Amazon Prime so that we could just have them like, you know, um, cause our kids enjoyed it so much. So, uh, yeah, I think we're huge fans and, um, and I'll, we'll get to talk a lot more about that, but what about you guys, Jessica? Yeah. I love so much about Bluey. Um, I, I especially love that. I feel like a different member of our family gets a different thing out of it in a really positive way. So for me, sometimes, um, it can, it can almost be like, Oh my goodness, I feel seen like, yes, that is how parenting is. And it leads to an ugly cry sometimes, but other times it's just like refreshing to be like, oh, yes, it can be really hard and it can be really wonderful and it can be all those things all at the same time. And then one of my kiddos, um, I think it's really good for him because Bluey, the way they write the scripts, they they show the kids making mistakes that are exactly the type of mistakes that your kids will make, but they make them in such a way that it's easy for someone else to observe from the outside and see see how they did it, but then also see like, oh, it's complicated and oh, I can see. So I think it was Veranda Santa when one of the younger children does something that Bluey doesn't like and Bluey then decides to kind yeah. of- What is it? Socks, the youngest cousin bites her. Yes, Socks bites her. And, and the dad is trying to explain, like, listen, she's little, like, she doesn't know. Well, Bluey then doesn't give her a treat. And so she doesn't get a present. And she's just heartbroken. And that's a conversation we've had so many times where one of my kids will, you know, have very age inappropriate expectations for another child and then be mad at them when they, you know, they can't do it. And so I think Bluey just does a great job of having like a script for a kid to see oh, I can be a good kid who makes a mistake and it can, I don't have to feel shame about that. Like I can, I can mess up and come back from it. So I feel like that's what they can sometimes get out of it. And that's just a, like, it's hard for a show to do that in a way that feels realistic and doesn't like get preachy or beat you over the head with it. Um, and, and does it all while still having like great jokes and honestly a fantastic theme song that should not be underestimated how <laughs> the power of good music in a show. That show, the way they use the music is amazing, particularly classic music. Um, well, that's one of amazing. the best things about sleepy time to me is the music, but, which we're going to talk about sleepy time later. I don't want to, I'm not going to like, you know, talk too much about it now, but the way that the music is used, I think is, is so great because it's not, it's not tinkly winkly kids yeah. show music, right? It's just <laughs> it's, good music. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's just it's just beautiful music. I yeah. like what, I like what you said too about you know that it gets it, it can give the kids a script. One of them, one, and I, you're you're totally right. And I'd forgotten about this episode. One of the episodes that I love is the one, and I can't remember the name of the episode, but it's the one where Bandit's being too rough. Yeah. And, oh, and yoga ball. Yeah, yeah, with on the, with bouncing on the yoga ball and, yes. and and I feel like the I was expecting for dad just to get in trouble for yeah. being too rough, but instead the lesson of the episode is that Bingo needs to learn to use her big girl bark and yeah. say that's too rough for me. Like yeah. and and it was so good because I thought, "Oh, I'm really glad my kids are are watching this so that they can learn that like if something's too much for you, if it's too scary, you don't just have to take it and be sad." Right. Or like, you know, it's okay to say like, "Whoa, that's not I don't like it." or whatever yeah. yeah you know and I love that I, I that was one of my favorite ones I think in the first season I think that's a first season episode we it love is. that it's I the think, first season one I think what, what that 
with that, one of the things I love about that is, um, like what you said, it's realistic. Like you can see your child taking that and learning from it. But I think it's also aspirational. And it's so rare in kids TV shows to have something like, to feel like a counselor would approve of how that conversation just went down. And yet you don't yes. feel preached to. It's not Daniel Tiger where they're all going to like sing a song about something. Because that's 18 not times. in my house. <laughs> but yet somehow you're like, oh, like there's still something I can kind of aspire to here. Like this is good. Well, I think especially in that episode, Yoga Ball, and I think we see when a lot of the episodes is one, Bluey is kind of his love letter to the nuclear family and that being at the dad, I think one of the things I love most about the show is that the father is highly engaged and really competent, yeah. which is a huge departure from many other kids shows. Um, like the the dad in Peppa Pig is just like, yeah. I don't even know how he like puts his shoes on in the morning. Um, well, and it's weird too. It's weirdly uneven because Daddy Pig, we, our kids like our kids love Peppa Pig, so we watch a lot of Peppa Pig. And but Daddy Pig, he'll have these weird moments of competence, but they're not usually. But it's not parenting competence. Yeah, it'll be like yeah. you find out and you find out somewhere along the line that he's apparently like an architect. And I was like, what? Like, or he'll you know he'll be really good at something. But you're right. Usually Daddy Pig is is the butt of the joke, and he's not necessarily presented as as good at parenting as Mummy Pig is. Well, so yeah, and, I see what you're saying. And you kind of have, and that feels really weird because I mean, if you and if you think about like te- television sh- series, we used to have kind of two engaged parents, um, and you had that in kind of 1950s going into the 60s, 70s, and then in the 80s, you kind of have this sense of like all in the family, Homer Simpson, where all of a sudden dad is like the butt of the joke, and he's like crude and gross and all this stuff and that and bandit is very clearly a dude like especially in some of the episodes we find out like like the episode i think that they actually call smoochy kiss like bandit does a lot of gross dude stuff that i'm just gonna say all dudes do <laughs> right um you're not ne- i remember once i i complained to my mo- or when i was dating my mom not, not dating uh, when i was dating my husband um, I complained to my mom. I was, she was like, anything you'd want to change? I was like, he does kind of fart a lot. And my mom was like, oh, honey, they all do that. They all do that. You're not going to find one. Who <laughs> and I think some of the show, like they do, like the things that Bandit does are this are just kind of very just generic guy things, but they're still very, um, he is very clearly the dad and has a more masculine play style with the kids. Like he's the one who's tossing them up in the air. He's the one who's throwing them around. And Chili is the one who's going to be the slightly more nurturing and she's going to be the reading books. She's the kind of the quieter parent. Um, and so she has, so she plays with them in a kind of a more feminine style. Right. And so I think these contrasts are really good because I see that reflected in how I play with my kids. Right. Of, you know, my husband's throwing our, our kiddos up in the air and I'm just like, Oh my God, we're, you know, I kept them so safe for nine months and you're just going to drop them. Um, you know, that kind of thing. That's such a great point. And I actually had observed, yes, they play with them differently, but until you'd said it just then, I hadn't realized like that actually, that tends to make me feel better as a mother playing with my kids because sometimes like my games with my children don't look as big and flashy as my husband's do. And, and it's because we have different ways of playing with them. And I, I love that Bluey kind of puts it on display, not just for, you know, for the parents to see, but for the kids to see as well. I think it's good for them to see that. Um, but on the humor thing, so on, um, the way, like, I think we've all kind of mentioned how it's funny. I feel like a lot of kids shows, 
they base the humor off of strife in the family or mocking either the dad or um, the parents being mocked by the children and how like the there's you know a hapless idiot parent and the kids know what's really going on and one of the things I like about Bluey is there's not really any speech in there that I feel like I don't that I feel like I'd be concerned if my children tried to parrot it and a lot of other kids shows we've quit watching because and actually Sarah your kids are young enough you may not have bumped into this yet but like the kids will just be super snarky with the adults in a way that you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like that's not a good pattern. Or even with each other, they'll be, they'll be talking in a way that's entertaining to watch, but like horrifying if you were to see that unfolding across the dinner table or at the cafeteria table. And Bluey does a really good job of not trying to base its humor on that kind of um, poor interpersonal relationships, but it, it just is genuinely funny. I, I really do agree with that too. I think um, while though I, I think I think they do. I think that Bannon and Shelley do talk to their kids to some degree, like they would talk to another grown up. That's true. Um, yeah. But 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 not in a way that's that's over their head. Like and and I think that's one reason David and I liked it when we first started watching it is because. We, we're the parents that will tell our kids, like, we've said, and my mom doesn't like this because she doesn't think the kids should be using this word necessarily, especially not to other kids, and I would agree with that. But, like, we've said to our kids multiple times, hey, don't be a jerk. Yeah. Like, or, you know, I mean, or we'll, you know, we'll say, don't be that guy. Like, there, we'll, we'll say things to our kids in a way that, that might sound like we weren't talking to a little kid. Like, that's just how we talk to them. But, but, but there's a, but it's, it's a familiarity. And I think there are some ways that Bingo, you know, there, there are ways that, that Bluey and Bingo talk to their parents that can be challenging. Like, well, why does she get to do that? Like, you know, they'll ask questions, but it's not coming from, you can, it's not coming from a place of sarcasm, like you said. It's like an honest questioning or of, we all feel so comfortable with each other that I feel like I can just ask my parent this question. And it's not um, a big deal. Um, and Sarah, I, I was going to go back to what you were saying too. I really liked um, that. That's one of our favorite things about the show too, is that, that the parents have an equal partnership with regard to parenting, but they don't, but they're not indistinguishable. Like, um, you know, like you said, Bandit is, is presented as enjoying kind of man stuff that Dave and I love stump fest. It's one of our favorite episodes, um, yeah. where they're digging the stump out of the backyard. Mm -hmm. And, um, and because I think stump fest would never happen on American kids TV show, or yeah. if it did, it would be presented as ridiculous as yeah. some kind of like toxic masculinity. Um, and which, I mean, you know, Chili identifies it as adult play, which it is, right? But yeah. it's, but not in a way that's mocking, like you said, Jessica, like, yeah. you know, her lesson to Bluey is adults need to have fun with their friends too. Right. So maybe don't insist that you're the only one with a right to play, right? Like, yeah. it's a great lesson. Um, you know, so I really, and also I think Chili is depicted as having struggles that are very uniquely Mom. mom struggles yeah. like bandits not comparing himself to other dads and feeling like he's wanting right yeah. like that's you know the, the kinds of struggles that women tend to express who are moms those those are the things that that chili is experiencing and that i was and i had written in the notes but i think that's a really big contrast to a lot of american kids shows which seem to almost have as a project to try to deconstruct all of that and wow. so the one the one that i always think of is doc mcstuffins which we can't stand. Um, but Doc McStuffins' parents are not only 
not only their professions are gender flipped. So Doc McStuffin's mom is like a pediatrician, which is why she pretends to be a doctor all the time. Like that makes sense. But um, and her dad stays at home with them. Okay, fine. You know, he's like a stay at home dad. But but not just their their kind of jobs, but their even their personalities. Like dad, Doc's dad is presented as completely nurturing. You never see him, at, which you know, dad should be nurturing their kids. But like he he's never shown doing anything that would typically be coded like man like you know he's not he's not out digging stumps in the yard like bandit or whatever and the mom when she's home because she's you know she works but she is very much totally totally confident working mom she, you know she doesn't show weakness she doesn't seem to have any insecurities right like you know so it's it's a totally different paradigm and it's a totally different relationship and to me one that feels very unrealistic like because if nothing else, from you know, from everything I've read and heard people say in families where it's a stay-at-home dad and a mom who goes away to work, often the dad will have some of the same struggles that we see moms have, right? Like somebody in this family should be having some kind of feelings about how they're choosing to do life, because that's true in every family, right? Like, but you know, I think that it's it's a it's a different kind of show though, something like Doc McStuffins. I don't know, but I just I appreciate the. I appreciate the realism and I also appreciate the, that they're not in, the, in a gender sense, they're not indistinguishable because I think that the majority of families, you do still see dad. most dads are more interested in, in some man, more manly things than most moms. <laughs> like, so again, it's just, it's realism, I think. Well, and the one thing that I would say that like, that you would also have is that you don't like, you, you genuinely see like the, you see, like, the dads being like, come on, guys, let's watch, do you want to watch cricket? Can we watch some cricket, please? And, like, which I think are very realistic things, like, come on, kids, let's watch the baseball game today. And the kids are like, no, we want to play outside. You know, like, I, they just feel so real, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, or that, have you guys, the, the episode three, or season three episode where Bannon and Chili are hungover? Do you know what? Yes, the, after the, the whale the, watching party. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, I I about fell out of my chair when we saw that one. And I mean, they never say that, but it's supposed to be what New Year's Day, and they feel terrible, and all they want to do is lay on the couch. And Bluey says something about Dad, you were dancing so crazy on the table at the barbecue or something like this. <laughs> um, but and so it's so funny, but like that they would, you know, that they that they feel very comfortable to make an episode about that. Right. And I get I feel like if something like that happened in the States, parents would call the TV station enraged yeah. that parents were being depicted as as in any way incapacitated <laughs> while, well, yeah. while parenting. Like, I loved it. So one I, of the things that I think is kind of funny um, and is and we can get into it a little bit later, but there are, there's a lot of bluey that's been censored for American audiences because like they've changed stuff. They've changed. uh wording of jokes or something because in the like in the in Australia like Bluey's accidentally runs in and just like bowls into her dad and like basically like you know knocks him over steps on his uh uh steps in his gentleman area and he's like oh god she got me in the you know and they just take they just take that kind of thing out it for Disney wow. distance or like Bandit's having a conversation with one of his friends about getting um a vasectomy <laughs> he's like i don't know what if chili wants more kids i don't know i think i would like to, you know they're he's just being having an honest con uh, conversation about this and like they change it in the american to be like 
what if I just want to, I don't want to get rid of my dog teeth. What if I just want to bite someone? So they have a lot of like fun <laughs> and things like that. I uh, had no idea. That Disney takes out because I guess they think Americans don't like poop jokes. And I'm like, what country have you been living in that you don't think we like poop jokes? <laughs> Like, come on, that's hilarious that, yeah, that, that that's, that they're, they're going to take out that stuff. Well, like, considering the stuff and even some of their other animated stuff where you're like, yeah. I've seen these other shows that are so much more inappropriate. I don't know why we can't have a poop joke in a show for six-year-olds. Yes. <laughs> six-year-olds love that stuff. Absolutely. Like, my, 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 uh, my first grader, there's no higher comedy for him than a good poop joke. Like. It's an annoying stage, but it's like it's it's for real. They love that stuff. So that is really funny, Sarah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, they they've um I'll, I'll I can send you a little bit YouTube video basically where they show all of the various things. So like in the episode markets where they're like looking at the horses and they're like saying, "Look how beautiful the horses is horses are." Like it cuts away, but in the Australian version, it stays on there, and the horse just has a big old poop. <laughs> And I guess thinking, like, look at these beautiful unicorns. And then, like, it's just like, nope, it's just a horse. (laughs) That is funny. My six-year-old would have loved that. We've kind of talked a lot about the reasons we like Bluey. So we're going to talk for a little while about some specific episodes that, at least to us, really related to motherhood. So if there were three men on this podcast, they'd probably pick different episodes because those episodes would be more related to fatherhood, but the ones we're picking, at least to me, have a very, very strong motherhood um, message. So the first one we're going to talk about is Sleepy Time. It is an episode that basically follows the family throughout the crazy night that can sometimes happen when you have young children of kids fussing, um, when little kids are sleepwalking. My kiddos aren't old enough for that, and one of them's still in a crib. Or the two-year-old is still in the crib because I'm like, we are not, I'm not dealing with that. Um, and one of the things that it's really well known for is it has a beautiful, uh, it's beautifully set to Holst's uh, movement Jupiter from his, from the planets. And it's just really lovely. In fact, the New York Times rated it one of the top 10 episodes of television the year it came out because it's just really lovely. And it kind of, the thing I love about it, it has this realistic, but it's realistic, but idealistic version of motherhood where, yeah, your kids are going to wake you up in the middle of the night and they're going to want water. And then they're going to be walking around and you're going to have to do all sorts of things. But the love and, but you are still mom and you are still the superhero when it comes to helping that kid get to sleep. And you're the one that they want. Um so, Jessica or Katie, does sleepy time reflect or match um, any of y'all's kiddos' uh, sleep habits right now? Um, not not exactly. I will. the The first time I saw that episode, we were en route to stay with family, I think, and so we happened to see it on TV, like in a hotel. My kids were watching Blue in the morning while we were getting packed up, getting ready to leave, and I literally just stood there crying. Like, and not necessarily, and not because I've ever had a child struggle to sleep on their own, right? Because it's all about, you know, Bingo trying to be brave enough. One of the, one of the big things in the episode is Bingo trying to be brave enough to sleep in her own bed by herself, even though she shares a room with Bluey. 
it's not as if she's alone in the room, right? But, um, and so, you know, her mom is depicted as the warmth of the sun, right? And she's trying to get to her. Anyway, it's very beautiful. Um, we never had a kid like that who didn't want to stay in bed, but we do have one that has night tears and has had night tears since he was small. So many times I've been the stabilizing force that comes to him in the middle of the, you know, during the night when he, it happened last night again. And, you know, he's crying, he's not awake, he, you know, and he legitimately does calm down better for me than for my husband. We don't know why. Like, and, but so I think we definitely have had a lot of experiences in that, in our house, even when nobody's sick, when people are sick, all bets are off and like all kinds of stuff will happen. Yeah. Like with four kids, you know, and if any of them are sick, they will be like random wake ups or whatever. And it can be really exhausting for the parent. Um, but even when things are normal, because we have one with night terrors, then we do, we have had those moments where I need to go be that for him to be to be his little to be his warmth for him you know um and to kind of help him stabilize and so that he can go back peacefully to sleep and so um i do think that i did really resonate with it um for that reason the idea that even when you're exhausted because these kids just keep disturbing your sleep you still have to be there for them because you're the stabilizing force at the center of their life I think the other thing that hits me about that one, I'm sorry, y'all, my voice sounds like it's trying to grow on me, um, probably because my children are sick and are keeping me up at night. <laughs> but um, they, my kids are now old enough to where they, they tend to sleep through the night unless there is something else happening. Um, but there's just this sweetness of even when you are exhausted, getting to be that stabilizing force for your kid and knowing that like it's, it's going to be a quickly closing window. I felt like even in watching it, even through the exhaustion, like you can, you can still just kind of feel that sweetness of like this moment will be done before I realize it and they'll be grown and, you know, they won't need the warmth of my son anymore. They'll be brave and go off on their own and, you know, be able to sleep on their own. And so that always, um, that always hits home because I, I feel like parenthood is one endless string of, oh gosh, I didn't realize that was going to be the last whatever. And None of us will regret having the last night sleep that's interrupted. Um, but I do yeah. think that there's something meaningful and sweet at getting to um, sit with your child when they can't sleep or help them after a night terror or lay next to them when um, when they have a terrible cough and you just kind of sit there with them. And, and I, I feel like that sweetness comes across. Well, and I actually, yeah, I sat with my daughter Lizzie last night because she kind of woke up and we were kind of like, Hey, it's 5.30. What you doing, girl? And she's like, I'm just awake now. And I think part of the reason, like, I'm better, I think part of is, as we kind of discussed earlier, like, my husband is much more like, he's like the, not that he's energetic at 5.30, he's not. But, like, because he's tends to be the high energy one, like, between the two of us in terms of, like, play style, she's like, if he's in there with her, he's like, so we're going to, are we going to get tossed? Are we going to, and I, like, if I'm in there, she's like, Oh, so are we going to read books? Are we going to, and like, I can get her to bed more easily in those situations because it's like, well, that's just, that's just what mom does. Mom, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I really loved the visual imagery they have on this episode that like bingo, um, the younger sister bingo is, you know, she is her world. Right. And so her world kind of breaks open and then the floppy is kind of like the moon that orbits her. Right. And dad is Jupiter. So dad's really big and important. But the whole family, no matter how big and important dad is, the whole family orbits the sun, mom, right? 
And so sleepy time is definitely one of those that like, I mean, I had to see it multiple, multiple times before I could watch it without crying. It's just kind of one of those, one of those, one of those episodes of TV. And I think it helps too. I mean, that truly, I think the, the, you talked about it being ranked like one of the best episodes of the year. And I think a big part of that is the music. So I was glad that you mentioned which piece of music they used, Sarah, because I do think that's a big part of it. And I think it's really effective because it keeps cutting back and forth between this dream that Bingo's having really is, you know, of her in space. Real life that's sitting there. And like, and it's not just her. We, We also see, like, we also see Bluey, you know, not do it like kind of sleepwalking or like getting up in the middle of the night for water or to go to the bathroom. Um, and the one thing I also, that I think we see that like really got me in the feels um, is Bingo is kind of like by herself and a little bit cold in the thing. And like Chili's in like a different room. If you actually spot about what's going on, like Bingo is in her parents' bed cold because the blanket fell off of Bluey, right? And Chili is in the girl's room, if you are looking at the geography of, of this house correctly. And she hears it the second her baby is whimpering from a different room. Yeah. She hears it, is fully awake, and is there, right? Which also, like, I love that, like, the dad's in there and he says, no, he doesn't hear it. He doesn't hear it. <laughs> Not okay, that's, that's legit, though. And I think it is. It's so real. And and I think, like, I've heard it described before as some kind of, like, adaptation strategy on the part of nature or something like that, that like, that moms are woken up more easily by children. And, I mean, you know, I, I could believe that. Like, because it's, it's, my husband's a very light sleeper, but I'll always wake up. And I'm a very heavy sleeper by nature. When we were dating, more than once, I slept through all my alarms and through him calling me and through him knocking on my front door. And he had to come around to the back side of my apartment and knock on my bedroom window to wake me up. Like, wow. so before I had kids, that's how, that's the kind of sleeper I was. And still I will always wake up to my kids on the monitor or if, if they make a noise in the house or something, I always wake up before he does. It's weird. It's like this, it's like an instinct thing, Sarah, like, you know, so I, I think, yeah, I, I've forgotten about that part. Yeah, but it is, I think that's very true to life. And I think Sarah, this kind of gets back to your point about um, the parents having an equal but not indistinguishable partnership, because during that first, <clears throat> during those first few years in your children's lives, you do play a much more physically connected role to your children than your spouse does. Unless, I mean, unless you just bottle feed from the very beginning, like it, it tends to be that you are physically more tied to the child. And I felt like this this episode was, again, another good representation of that, even just in the sun versus Jupiter. And like, it's it's interesting to see that theme carried through. Okay, anything else on Sleepy Time or do, or do y'all want to go on to next episode? Yeah, we could go on to the next one. I think we've said a lot of great stuff already. All right, so our next episode, dear listeners, is called Sticky Gecko. And this is a very familiar situation where Chili is trying to get uh, Bluey and Bingo out the door for a play date. And she is uh, saying, come on, girls. You know, we don't want to be late. You have one minute. And the girls just somehow keep finding things to delay them getting out of the house. And you can see Chili's frustration building and building and building until she has that, like, 
mom panic was I think at least I've done before where she's like fine we're never leaving this house again and she's just and then the kids are like oh great and then we have to leave right now and that as the person who is always the one who's like guys we don't want to be late for church like that super speaks to me and I think what we also see is that it probably speaks to a lot of families in or post pandemic because the kids are kind of like it's been a long time since we've seen this person, uh, you know, we, and so once Chili kind of takes a moment to talk with the, or to talk with the kids, she kind of, she de-stresses, right? Like, so we find out, well, why is Bluey delaying? Well, Bluey hasn't seen this friend in a while and she's nervous about seeing her friend. Why is Bingo taking forever? Because she's four and has no concept what a minute is. She has no concept of that kind of time. So once Chili kind of has this conversation with them, she kind of relaxes because she, that realization of like, Hey, they're not doing it purposely to make you angry. Right. Even though it can really feel that way in the moment. Yeah. This episode is such a great example of there being something for everyone and such a great, um, it's, it just, it identifies all those different pieces. Like you were saying with the four-year-old that just doesn't know a minute and showing the mom just being, we watched this with our kids um, just recently and the kids were laughing because in the morning when we're leaving, I say over and over again, okay, socks and shoes on. And then I'll look over and someone will be putting a sock on the tail of the cat. Then, <laughs> and, like, and, and it's just this feeling as a parent where it is truly, um, it's one of the most like exhausting and frustrating and also just hilarious things. And so for my kids to be able to watch Chili's reaction to it and to see like, oh, she's trying to be kind and fun and then just see like, oh, and she's about to just, you know, lose her mind because she's run out of patience. Um, I thought that was a really fun part of it. And I I did love um, the reminder as a parent that so often when our children are kind of spinning out of control, if you take a second and you just kind of look them right in the eyes and ask like, hey, what's going on? Sometimes there's a whole different story behind it. And so yeah, it's a great reminder that they're not doing it to bug you, but I think it's also a great reminder to slow down and, and re-examine their behavior, not just in light of how annoying it is, but in what they might be trying to tell you. Yeah, I, I think I think it's so good because it, 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 it resonates a lot in our house because, um, which, and I think most, anybody who's listened to episodes with me before may know this, I don't know, three of our four are on the autism spectrum. And so I have really one my one neurotypical kid he's he's the only one in the morning like we're getting ready for school or whatever he's the only one who can be depended upon to both get ready independently and has a sense of urgency my oldest she can totally get herself ready for school but she's like dreamy and doing things on her own time right like and so i you know i have to help the other two and so a lot of mornings i feel like chilly in this episode (laughs) Like, can we just, you know, but I do appreciate in the episode that they show her explaining to, like you said, Sarah, explaining to them, like, why is it, why does it matter if we're going to be, like, why is it important to be on time? And one of the things that finally helped me get through to my oldest and help her learn to go a little faster in the morning, part of it was just literally giving her my phone with a timer set on it, you know, sometimes it just takes practical things, but also was explaining to her, like, hey, babe, your school starts 15 minutes after your little brother's school. So if you go, if you take too long, you're not going to be late, but he's going to be late. You're going to make him late. And he doesn't like that. And and he doesn't need to have tardies, like just kind of walking through for her that it's about caring for other people, right? 
or, you know, that it's not just we're slaves to the clock and you should be on time because you should be on time, but there are reasons, you know, um, and, and that really, that really worked for her. Like, and she was like, oh, like you could see it computing. Like, it's not just about me, right? It's not just about, cause we should be on time. Cause time is good to be on time is good. But like, it's about consideration for other people because her little brother doesn't like to be late. It bothers him. And so I, you know, that, that, this episode reminded me of, of those moments in our house of trying to explain trying to be kind when we're in a hurry and not be ugly to the kids, but also try to help them to see that it really does matter. <laughs> like we can't just always show up when we feel like it so that you, the child don't have to feel rushed. Um, and there are, there are several episodes where it's about the kids getting to school somewhere. So you have sticky gecko on there. Um, there's also one called daddy drop off that, uh, that kind of has a similar vibe where, they're like trying to get the kids out the door and the kids are like, we want to play and have fun. And that's one of the ones where I'm very much on the parent's side where I'm like, you could just answer the question. Um, and some of that, but yeah, that not kind of rushing and trying to get places on time is something they have in a couple of episodes. Um, what do y'all think? Uh, and I think another one of the episodes I think will have a lot of appeals is the episode uh, when we discuss is the episode baby race. And so Chili is talking with Bluey and Bingo there at the park and Bingo and Bluey's kind of like, aren't I better than this person? Aren't I better at the, than the, aren't I better than them at the monkey bars? And Chili's just kind of saying like, well, they'll get there one day, run your own race. And Bluey asks, no, well, what does that mean? So Chili try, sets down to describe her experience as a new mom with Bluey learning to walk. And it's very funny. I think, especially with any, any parent who, and it really hit hard for me because my child was like, I'm watching this while my child's learning to crawl. Um, and so it, uh, we see Chili kind of doing everything she can to really help Bluey learn to crawl and then learn to pull up on furniture and then learn to furniture surf and then learn to walk. She's doing everything she can. But you know what? Bluey's just, babies are just going to kind of do their own thing. And Chili feels really bad about that because she sees these other babies at mom's group that are, you know, farther along than her baby. And she's sitting there thinking, well, if, if I were a good mom, my baby would be doing this already. Right. And as frequently happens, a kind word from a from a mom friend just say, hey, you're doing really, really well. Like you're doing great. It's just kind of relieves all of that pent up guilt that Chili's feeling in that moment. And I will say one of my favorite little, just tiny, barely imperceptible jokes that the show has is the Poodle family has like, they're a really big family. They have nine kids, but the mom is like, I have eight kids. Oh, wait, no, nine. Because that is totally how large families are. Like the mom just legit is like, oh crap, I did have another kid, didn't I? Yes, it is. It is six kids. No, it's, oh, oh, seven, seven kids. Right. (laughs) Every large family I know the mom never remembers how many kids she has. That's hilarious. One of my friends in college who had a whole bunch of siblings got left behind one time, like at a gas station. Oh, because goodness. there were so many of them. <laughs> they didn't know she was missing, like in the crowd. Um, and I love that episode too, because I think, right, is it, it's not until she's actually having this conversation with the other mom that she learns the other mom has all these other children though. Right. Right. Because she's right. only seen that mom with one baby at like baby mom's group. And, yeah. you know, so she's talking about it and the other mom's like, oh, honey, it's going to be fine. Like, I've got, like, all these other kids and, you know, because Chili, and I think the the vibe I got in that episode, too, is that Chili thinks this other mom is just, like, naturally confident, right? 
Mm, Like she thinks that, you know, why don't I have the confidence that this poodle mom has without realizing it's because this poodle mom's on like kid number nine. Like she's, she's learned all that confidence by watching all of her kids go through those same processes, right? Over and over and over. Um, But I really do. Go ahead. Oh, well, and I think the thing to on it is to also know that you learn, you know, you, you, it's one of those things, you know, intellectually with your first kid, but the second you have your second, and then I'm sure Katie, you know, this with your four, that there's a whole incredibly wide range of things that are technically on schedule for your kid to do. Right. And they can do things in weird orders, right? Like your kid could completely skip crawling and kind of just go straight to walking. Right. And that's, that's all kind of technically normal, right? There's just such a broad range. Um, yeah. So when you're that first time mom, you'd like, well, are they talking? Well, they're not saying, you know, the book says they should be saying this many syllables by now and what, you know, and you can just get so wrapped around the axle about, well, you know, am I not talking to her enough? That's why she's not talking now because I'm not talking enough to her and I'm not reading like, and so much of it is just, the kids just going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- so watching this with my now older child, um, it was interesting because I saw it hit him a little bit differently than how it hits me. So I'm interpreting it the way you guys are. And he's looking at it and he's like, oh, right. Like that's how, you know, my brother is, my baby brother's going to learn to read when he's going to learn to read. Like it doesn't mean that he's better or worse because he learned when he was five and I learned when I was, you know, whatever. And it was interesting to see him taking that, um, what we all do with babies and, and applying it broader um, and to, to just, it's like this cycle where you think, well, have they learned to read yet? Oh, uh, you know, do they, mul- do they know their multiplication tables or whatever it might be? And I, I feel like this episode, again, really does remind you that comparison robs you of joy. And especially when, and Katie, I'd love your perspective on this. When you have kids who are not perfectly typical, you do kind of have to take a step back and remind them to take a step back and that their worth is not wrapped up in how quickly they're racing towards this checklist of developmental things, their, their worth is much deeper and richer than that. 100%. And I, there, there have been so many, I mean, and it's not like it's not challenging to have special needs kids because it 100% is, but we've, there have been so many gifts that we've gotten from parenting our special needs kids. But one of those is that having children who, for whatever reason, in our case, it was autism, but it's, you know, different for all kinds of families, having kids who struggle to reach some of those milestones in a lot of ways can be um, as freeing as, as it is challenging. Because it unshackles you from all of that stuff, right? Because you're, you know, at one, and, and, and Sarah, I like that you said like, oh, when you do, cause you do tie it to, to your own motherhood. I had all this anxiety about with my second with Baron because he had a speech delay and I had pretty much convinced myself that I didn't talk to him enough, right? Mm-hmm. Or that I didn't read to him enough cause he was the second kid. And so when he got his autism diagnosis, a lot of parents, a lot of parents talk about experiencing like grief and you know um or whatever or sometimes denial when when they get a diagnosis like that and i mean all responses are valid and i think that's totally sensible but for me it was a huge relief because it taught it showed me it wasn't me i we we weren't doing anything wrong we weren't the reason he, he wasn't talking the reason he wasn't talking is in his genetics right like it was not something that we were doing and so being kind of liberated from thinking that we were bearing all this fault for the ways that he wasn't measuring up to this, like, you know, doctor's chart milestone standard um, 
And not that there, I mean, there are things parents can do that can cause their children problems with their milestones. That's not to say, you know, but, um, but yeah, I do think it is, it is a great, it's a great thing. And even just special needs aside, just having different kids when you have a bigger family, having had four, there's so much variety even among our kids in ways that have nothing to do with special needs. It also just teaches you what Sarah said, which is that they do it when they feel like it. Like, you know, and I mean, when Arden was a baby, she walked early. She was walking at nine months old. My first guys, just chew on that for a second. Um, She, she was walking, she was walking at nine months old, running at 10. Her cousin, (laughs) her cousin who was the same age, took forever to stand up to the point where her parents were worried and they were like doing hip x-rays at the doctor but but at the same time my Arden was barely meeting her verbal milestones her same aged cousin at like 15 months had like 50 words and in the Mm -hmm. end her cousin just didn't feel like walking around she preferred to sit still and talk to her mom so her verbal milestones were off the charts she was blowing those out of the water and it wasn't it wasn't until and my kid was just running right just running all the time because that's what she wanted to do and it wasn't until we came for a visit it was so funny <laughs> my sister-in-law was about to fall over we came for a visit and her daughter's sitting right because she always sat and our daughter's like running circles around her and her cousin kind of looked at arden and was like, huh. And you could see the wheels turning and you could see her thinking, I mean, that might be cool. And she literally stood up for the first time because she was like, I think I'll try it out. Her parents were like in shock. Like sometimes they just don't feel like it till they feel like it. Yeah. That was one of the funniest things that's ever happened in my parenting life was watching that go down because we were all sitting there in the room. She could have done it at any point, but she just wasn't feeling it until she saw our kid and was like, I think I might like to do some of that. And so she did it. That's well, hilarious. We say that uh, my daughter didn't feel like, so she didn't start, my daughter, and so this one episode really does uh, hit the feels for me, because my daughter was a roller. Like, mm-hmm. why Why would I crawl? I can just roll to get to where I want to go. And so, like, mm-hmm. all right, well, rolling down the hall is, it takes a while, but I mean, she, she got there. Um, and so she never crawled until we put up the Christmas decorations and we turned the tree on. And then she was oh, like, yeah. you need to get here a lot faster. And then she started crawling. Uh, I love it. I love it. That is funny. You know, one of the things, um, Katie, when you were talking and, and talking about how um, having a child with special needs is liberating, um, I think it's it's also whenever, whenever you have a child who, you know, maybe doesn't kind of hit exactly the same way everybody else does. So one of our kiddos has a hard time eating. And you find yourself rejoicing over things that for another child you wouldn't rejoice over, right? And yes. mm-hmm. so we rejoice when, you know, this kid eats a bite of spaghetti or a bite of pizza. We're like so proud of him. Like, well done, buddy. And I and I feel like again in baby race, you just get reminded, like, it doesn't matter. Like it, it doesn't you rejoice where you can and you enjoy them where you can. Absolutely, for sure. So yeah, it, it helps you appreciate the small things so much when a little thing, uh, something that, you know, other people might think of as small is a huge accomplishment for your kid. Absolutely. You know, um, it kind of, it resets all your, your switches to, you know, and you're still, and that's the thing, because they're still hitting milestones. They're just different milestones or on a a different schedule. And I loved what you said about your, Jessica, about your son applying it to himself or to like older kids, because that is so true too. Our, my, our one who's neurotypical is, is having a lot of trouble learning to read. And we don't know what's going on there. Like, I don't, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're like trying out some dyslexia protocols with him at school, but um, it's just interesting 
to how things defy your expectations. My oldest is autistic, but she is an amazing reader and has been since she learned to read, right? And even her younger brother, who's more, you know, he has more challenges even on the spectrum, but he had no trouble with the mechanics of reading, right? Interesting. But then our third, who's neurotypical now, is struggling. And so it's, you know, it can also hit in ways you don't expect. Um, but, and so, yeah, it's a good, I like, I like what your little boy said too, is it's a good reminder for me as a parent too, that, you know, it, that stuff's not over because my kids aren't babies anymore. I still, I still, I find myself stressing out that he's having trouble reading yeah. because his siblings could read at the same age, but like, it's, he'll get there, like, or, and if he needs extra help, we'll do it, right? So it doesn't stop that kind of comparison, you know, stuff. Yeah. It's always there. I mean, my mom has mentioned it, like, parenting us as adult kids like mm -hmm. you know oh everybody else's kids are married but my kid's still single or you know like just stuff like that it's just it's always there I think yeah and as a parent whose children I don't have one who's crawling uh, my youngest is six he's in kindergarten when I'm watching the episode <clears throat> and I'm seeing Chili like genuinely sad over you know and worried over this adorable little baby that's like doing the little bum scooch like it just reminds me not to miss things because I'm so worried about it happening the right way. And like, yes. I think about how many times have I stressed or been worried or, you know, especially for my kiddo that has a lot of trouble eating, like I'll think, oh gosh, you know, well, AJ, I do something wrong. But then, but then even just like, well, if we don't get it, you know, work on this, then how's he going to be able to go to youth group and do, you know, this, that, or the other, or go spend the night at a friend's house. And, and instead to kind of take a step back and just be grateful for the progress that he's making where he's making it and trust that, you know, when he's 18, 19, 20, it's probably all going to come out in the wash and it'll be okay. And the more important thing will have been, were we able to have a good relationship with him and enjoy him all the way along? And I don't want to look back <clears throat> and think that I look like how Chili looked, you know, kind of like wringing my hands over something that would eventually work its way out. And that's not to say that as a parent, you don't need to occasionally, you know, intervene or change course or do something differently. You often do, but it is to say that like you, you just have to be aware and, um, and shepherd your soul so that you are not kind of wandering off into this land of comparison or fear. Um, and I, and I, I loved being reminded of that and I do miss the baby stage, <laughs> the crawling. It was so cute. Well, I, um, yeah, there's, there's something about, about babies. Um, they're adorable. Dear listeners, Jessica, Katie, and I had such a good time discussing Bluey, and we went on at length. And so in order to prevent y'all from having a very, very, very long episode, we're releasing the first half of the episode this week, and the second half of the episode will be released next week. Thank you so much for your patience, and we hope that you love this show as much as we did.